Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. In Acts 27, we start finding some pretty amazing teaching, all right? And uh, let, me, let me walk you through that. We're going to start, let me give you a little, a, a little heads up. Today's story starts in the 13th verse of Acts 27. Acts being the fifth book in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Okay, we believe most of it, if not all of it, was written by the gospel writer Luke. And at Acts 27, we're, we're learning and understanding the story of Paul. Paul is on a missionary journey, and on his missionary journey, uh, he is now, at this point in the journey, he is being transported to Rome to be held on trial before Caesar. Okay, and so he and other prisoners are on this wooden ship, which now when you say ship in that time, you, you think in terms of like a, uh, think more in terms of like a 50-foot or 40-foot fishing vessel with sail and big rudder. You with me? And then if you were a prisoner on board, you might, it might have had a hold in the bottom where you help row. You get the picture? Kind of like a Ben-Hur kind of thing, all right? So we know that there's other prisoners other, on, other than Paul, but the focus here, of course, is on the Apostle Paul. And if ever there's been a dude who could whine and cry and gripe about his life, it would have been Paul. I mean, this is a guy that had been thrown in prison. This is a guy that had been beaten, been scourged, been spat upon, been cussed. I mean, he's had it all. And now he's going to experience a shipwreck. And if you stuck with the story long enough, he's also snake-bitten. And I mean, really, just, the whole thing is just crazy, right? I mean, this is a lifetime movie. And, but at this story, he's on the ship, all right? So look with me in the 13th verse. And the scripture says, When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they'd achieve their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But not long afterwards, a fierce wind called the Nor'easter rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and was unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Then fearing they would run aground on the sidus, they, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way they were driven along. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the very next day. And on the third day, they threw the ship's gear overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. And since many were going without food, Paul stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage, because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only the ship. For this night, an angel of God I belong to, that is so cool, and I serve, stood by me saying, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and look, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So the text is giving us this picture that Paul and these other, uh, other prisoners are on this ship, and while they're on the ship headed for Paul to stand trial, the storm comes, and so they have literally, at this point, they have done all they could do. They tried to hide behind an island, and they're still getting battered. 
Lightning's flashing, thunder's rolling, waves are crashing, boats coming apart. They're scared, they're fearful, so they start throwing stuff overboard to try to get rid of the problem, make their vessel lighter and easier to try and work through. They throw all that out, they throw out anchors, trying to hold on to it, and the story gets really, really good. So stay there in, uh, in, in, in Acts chapter uh, 27, and we're going to chat a little bit as we work our way through this story, which, by the way, is pretty fascinating. Somebody has said, and it's really well said, tough times don't last, but tough people do. You heard that statement? Tough times don't last, but tough people do. Let me just stop and say, I don't believe the first part of that statement is true. Tough times seem to last a lot, don't they? Don't we all have seasons in our life where the storm is literally blowing us apart, blowing us away from where we're to be, what we know to be anchored to, and just literally moves us in a place where the fibers of our life are just being crushed? But tough people do. But I believe we better define what tough people is. Because, see, if you look at this, they say, well, tough people have this inner resolve. They're just mind over matter, self-made. You know what we've learned is that's not going to help. That's not going to change. This isn't a solution to the problem. Remember, Paul had every right to gripe, but he's not. And as they sail toward Rome, this huge storm is battering the ship. Paul's experience at sea still stands as an example for us. Now watch this. The entire book of the Acts, the entire book, everything is twofold every time, every sentence. It is A, a direction of how we are to trust and walk in faith, it is a direction on how we live being battered by the storms of life and how the church is supposed to be led in faith. And when storms come, how to weather and not just endure, but thrive through the storm. So everything we read in the church is, this is what Jesus entitled and wanted his church to be. This is what Jesus encouraged his church to be. His bride, as the scripture describes it. This is how he wants his bride to be. But it's also how God's children are to be. And this is happening simultaneously through the ribbon that flows through the book of Acts. And what, what we see here is at the beginning of Acts, we know about the death and the burial and the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus into heaven, sitting by the right hand of the Father. And then we also know Storms are going to come when you choose to follow Jesus. He never promised no storm, but he did promise to never leave you or forsake you. And he did promise to go before you and make a way. And he did promise by faith you can receive by faith his grace of forgiveness for sin and selfishness and find a place in heaven and find a place of peace today because this is why he went through that storm so you could endure yours. But he's not going to keep you from the storm. He's going to use the storm in your life. But like Yogi Berra once said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it, right? At some point, you've got to choose. When the storm is hitting me, I, I never thought I'd hear I've got cancer. I thought I'd never, I, I, I never saw my marriage falling apart. I never believed my kid would be caught smoking weed in ninth grade. I never thought that my kid would get pregnant in 12th grade. I never, 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 you just go on and on, couldn't you? Never thought I'd be the guy that lost everything. No, never thought I'd be the guy that would lose my job. Never thought I'd be that guy that needed counseling. Storms come and they go. We're all either about to go into one, just came out of one, or we're in the thick of one. This life is not for the faint of heart. And yet, 
Sometimes the sailing is smooth, but you know good and well a storm is coming. You know what I've learned? Anybody can hold the helm of a ship when the seas are calm. Question is, what are you going to do when the storms start beating you daylights? Verse 13 says, when a light wind began blowing from the south. It started out with just a little problem. And how do you look at little problems? They didn't turn to, they didn't turn to God here. They turned to, hey, you know what we'll do is kind of pull in this cove. We'll let, you know, we'll let the island block the wind. We'll ride it out. Everything's cool. So they pulled up anchor. They sailed close to the shore of Crete, but the weather changed abruptly. The typhoon called a northeaster burst across the island. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind. They gave up. They let it run. Isn't that what we do in our storms? Like, oh, my stars. Here we go again. What are we going to do? Give up. I quit. But, you know, people of faith, they have this, this, this presence of God within their life found in the spirit of God as he's working in the indwelling of our spirit and he's saying come on you can do this you don't have to quit don't walk away don't do that you don't have to you see I think the storms rock our lives and they threaten our foundations and often they they literally threaten our faith and I think what will happen is we just grow discouraged as we try to outlast the storms in our life because stormy times are going to include hurt they're going to include loneliness. They're going to include sorrow. They're going to include insecurities. The storms can lead us into deception. You see, we can get into a storm, and because we find ourselves in, in a point of vulnerability, our heart and our mind are open to deception. Oh, listen, just do this now. It's not going to hurt you. You see, the point of deception is that when we get where we are desperate people, desperate people do desperate things, don't they? And, and all of a sudden, we can be utterly and easily deceived. We, we can listen. It's just like in the old cartoon where the angel and the, and, and the devil are on your shoulder, and the angel is saying to you, come on, you can do this. You know, and the Satan on your shoulder is saying, you are such a wimp. You, you're, you're going to crumble. Just quit now. Listen to what John 16, 33 says. I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. You've heard me say it before. I'm going to keep saying this. The single greatest commodity that can be in your life is peace, and peace is only found in the presence of Jesus. But it's the single greatest commodity. When we're not at peace, we make bad decisions, we ruin relationships. When we are at peace, we make godly decisions and we build up relationships. The storms can lead you to deception. Look at the rest of that verse in 33, John 16. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Is this not just wonderful? You, he doesn't say, hey, you might have some problems. He's saying, you're going to have a bunch of them. They're coming. I don't, I don't care how much you give. I don't care how much you serve. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. I don't care how many mission trips you go on. He's saying, you're going to go through the junk. Jesus never promised that you weren't going to have problems. He said, when you go through the problems I'm going through with you, I've got you. And then he says, oh, and by the way, take heart. This is so great. Take heart. It's like he's sitting with his kids and he's saying, guys, look, I know it's hard. I know you're in the thick of it. But listen, I have overcome the world that I created. God speaks this creation into space. And when it's out of sorts, he turns all things right side up. And he's saying, listen to me, I've already overcome the world, 
I'm going to overcome your storm for you if you'll choose me. But most of us get in a storm, and it's like we start hunkering down and, and trying to do all we can do. And then at the very last, we'll say, well, there's nothing left to do to pray. Isn't that true? Well, God can't help me with this. Chuck, he didn't care about I'm a, I'm a welder. Well, but that's not true. He wants you to be the best welder you can be to the glory of God. You see, he's saying to us, you don't have to let this become deceitful, and you don't have to let it become a disaster. You don't, ha you don't have to let the storm become a disaster in your life. When the storms come our way, we can feel like our lives are totally out of control, can't we? Look at verse 16. We sailed along the sheltered side, great difficulty, hoisted aboard a lifeboat, wrapped up the boat. They're afraid. They're being driven across the sandbars. You know, when, when we start off and you think, okay, man, I've got to be careful that I don't get deceived in this weak moment of my storm. I've got to make sure that I realize disaster could happen, but it doesn't have to. And then there's the storms that can lead us into decision. The storm ought to make us take an inventory of our life and discard everything we don't need. Now, let me share this story with you. And, and although it's repetitive for many of you, I want to be clear. So, lest you think that the preacher with R-A-V in front of his name has no idea of what I'm talking about here. So, when, you're, when your spouse passes away, shortly thereafter your mom and dad pass away, and shortly after that, you lose literally everything you've ever owned or ever hoped for. And you're in the middle of that while trying to blend six daughters into one family. And you know exactly what hell on earth here feels like. And you lay your head on the pillow and you think to yourself, I am so dreading tomorrow. I cannot sleep tonight. When you start making choices of do I put $5 worth of gas in my vehicle or do I have enough money to buy dinner? These are the times when those storms are blowing that you can make a decision. And if you're not careful, the decision you will make will be all for you and not for him, and you'll stay in the storm. He's saying, Chuck, well, does this mean that I've got to make a decision? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Chuck, I'm not good at decision making. Let me tell you the decision all of you can make. I choose this way with Christ, and I win. I choose this way, and I stay in a storm. Be clear, there's nothing in the middle. I follow Christ this way. I choose Jesus. I want to walk and abide and trust in the fact that Jesus loves me, cares for me. Good deal on the coffee, bro. And um, then the other side is, okay, I'm going to try to fix it on my own. How well is that working for you? Because I know how it worked for me. I wound up in a job I swore I'd never do. And now I find myself happier than I've ever been, more content than I've ever been. Now I find myself more excited about my work than I've ever been. Jenny and I love each other more than we ever have. We, we love our kids, for goodness sake, more than we ever have. And they're driving us back crazy. You see, the storm ought to make us take an inventory of our life. You know, in verse 18, it, it tells what they do. They start getting rid of junk. Some of us need to shed a few relationships that keeps dragging us into the same storm. Some of us need to shed a few habits to keep driving us away from the right fork in the road. Some of us need to stop listening to all the doom and glued junkets in the world and crank something up that just makes you feel good. Now, I'm one of those people that like swamp rock music. Are y'all? I mean, it's like, you know, you just like, 
I know, y'all, don't, y'all don't appreciate this because you're really smarter than me. But like, you, you give me something like Leonard Skinner meets Jesus, and I'm all about it. You know what I mean? I mean, like, give me a version of Sweet Home Alabama and just say, like, heaven or something. I'm good. You know? And I love, swamp music's my deal. I like to crank it up. So I, I bought the, the newest Crowder album. He's got this song in there called Run, Devil, Run. You remember when David danced naked? I didn't. But at the same time, <laughs> you're welcome. And, but I'm telling you, man, I crank that bad boy up in my car, and I still don't know the lyrics, but I'm shouting all of it. Man, it's just so cool. You see, this is what happens. We... When you make a decision, joy and peace can enter into your life again, and the storm is shortened. But you pick. It's on you. It's a decision. Nothing happens. This, listen, if there's ever been a tweetable statement today, if you're a social media person, this is your statement. If you forget what I said or you don't write it down, use the, the, the note apps, all right, the notes that are in the Sugar Hill Church app. Listen, nothing happens to a child of God that he is not allowed to grow us up in him. If you're in the thick of the storm today, be so grateful because God has chosen you to prepare you of how he's going to use you in the future. I didn't ask for a spouse to die, but I get the opportunity to help men across the whole country who just found out their wife has cancer. Jenny and I didn't, I had no idea how messed up blending families would be. Oh my stars, we might still be dating if we knew what was going on. We didn't ask for it. Now we have the opportunity to minister to people who are in the thick of the fight. I sure didn't want to lose everything I own, but guess what? When you sit in my office and say, Chuck, I don't, want, I don't know what to do, been there. You see, God's going to take everything he's allowing you to experience to equip you and prepare you to do exactly what his work has called you to do, and that is to join him in the redemption plan of all mankind that we might find peace and the power and the presence of Jesus, period. End of story. So when the storm comes your way, man, listen, go with it. Get rid of the junk. But now look what else happens. Before I go there, listen, let me give you another New Testament passage that might help you. 2 Corinthians 4.17. Paul's writing this, by the way. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Now you could stop at that period. You can say, well, let me tell you something, Mr. Paul. If the storms aren't going to last very long, that ain't true for me. Been there? Am I talking to you? And in the middle of this, look at what the rest of that passage says. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So if you're in the thick of it and the world's falling apart, listen to what God's promise is. Okay, it's not going to last forever. It's a season. Okay, if your kid at 13 is totally destroying your house because of bad decisions and they're just determined to be cool, just know it's a season, right? I mean, seriously, they're adolescents. Their brain is not fully formed. They're living in the spot of their brain that's called stupid. It's going to happen, right? But the season is going to end, and you're going to enter into another season. So if you're, the, if you're the parent of like a middle or high schooler right now, let me give you an encouraging word. It's just a season. Don't ruin a relationship that you want to have at 30 over today. But if you think when they go off to college it's easier, don't buy that deceptive lie. Because once your kids start having babies and they figured out how hard they were to you, now you really needed a parent. 
but it's a season. It's a phase. It's a stop. All preparing you for what God wants to do with you, for you, and through you. And until we take the fork in the road and say, okay, I'm going to go with this, Lord. We're going to fight it. We're going to fight it. You know what else happens? The storms can lead us to desperation. Listen, if, if we're facing disaster, if we have to make a decision in the middle of it, it can cause us to get into desperation. I'm going to say it again. You know what desperate people do? Desperate things. Verse 20 in Acts 27 says, The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. That sounds desperate to me. I don't know about you, but I have seasons where I think to myself, I just need this black hole to end. I need to wake up and feel the crisp air of the fall morning and see the sun and see a clear sky and roll the windows down and crank up that song and sing like a fool and know that I know that I know Jesus has carried me through the storm and the morning came and blessed the Lord. How about you? Yeah, don't you want to know that? And God said, it's all yours. Choose the right fork. Because stormy times can be times that are dangerous. Stormy times can be super dangerous in a believer's life. Look at verse 29. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Been there? This sermon is not about me, all right? I mean, really, you're just as messed up as I am. I mean, I'm looking at you. I know y'all are. Some of you are a lot more messed up than me. I mean, like a lot. But watch this. When, when we know that the storms are going to make us or break us, when, when what happens in your life becomes your decision, all of a sudden you can have clarity that, wait a minute, Here's the cold, hard truth. You're either going to go stronger with it or you're going to get dashed against the rocks. You're either going to be used by God to grow you up and do something extraordinary in the power of Christ or your life is going to be dashed against the rocks and you're going to look back someday and say, man, I wish I would have. When all you had to do is make a decision and say, I'm choosing the Jesus way. I'm choosing to walk with God. I'm choosing love. It all comes down to who or what you look to in times of trouble. Here's the great news. Stormy times are times of deliverance. Look at the 29th verse. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. You know what that tells me? Get anchored. Get somewhere where you just stop the insanity. Minimize the voices. Get to a place of peace. Get to a point of solitude. Get to a point of quietude. Drop an anchor. Listen to Matthew 28, 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, drop an anchor. Hold on to me. I'm going to make sure that I never let you go. Listen to the 23rd verse back in Acts 27. For last night an angel of the, of, of the God whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Listen to Hebrews 13, 5. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Anchor your life to the presence of God. You say, well, Chuck, I can't see him. Okay. Well, Abraham Lincoln's not standing next to you either, but you believe he's on a copper penny. You see, the reason that you're going to know that God is with you is when you choose to anchor your life to him, and all of a sudden, everything is spiritual. Everything is God-centric. 
everything because that's what you're holding on to. Get anchored to the, to the presence of God. Secondly, anchor your life to the promise, not just the presence. Anchor your life to the promises of God. See, it's one thing to say, well, God's with me. God's my co-pilot, right? You seen those bumper stickers? It's not the dumbest bumper sticker you've ever seen. It assumes that you're the pilot. Every time I pilot my own ship, I am crashing against the rocks. I don't even need to be the co-pilot. I don't even need the guy who serves Coke, you know? I need to be the dude that waves as the plane goes. Y'all have fun. Load your baggage up. You're all good. Get anchored. Anchor your life to the presence of God. Anchor your life to the promises of God. Listen to verse 24 and 25. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. Isn't that wonderful? We're going to let you still go there and go through some more hardship. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. Listen, here's the great promise. Promises like better days, brighter days. Psalm 30, verse 5, Heaping, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. I, do, I remember with my head on the pillow and not being able to fall asleep and Jenny rejoicing that I haven't started snoring yet. And I'm, I've got my head on the pillow and I cannot sleep because what's running through my head is, oh my stars, how are we ever going to get out of this mess? How in heaven's name are we going to ever get out of this mess? Because I promise you, the next morning, the sun came up according to the will of God. I took a shower. I brushed my teeth. I took my vitamins. I got dressed, and I put one foot in front of the other. And you know what? Weeping lasted in the night, but I'll promise you, joy came in the morning. Promises like deliverance, Psalm 34, 19. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue them each time. The promise is, I'm going to deliver you. I know in your thick of junk right now. I know you're in the middle of a storm right now, but I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going to let you learn something so extraordinary. Now I can use you because you're totally broken. You're totally ready. You're fully equipped. Now we're going to go do something that matters, including promises like everything is for our good. Jesus is constantly making things right. He is constantly, through his spirit, working on these things that they might be for our good. Listen to Romans 8, 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So if you want God to take the storm you're in to be used for your good, do you see the prescription here? Those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And you say, Chuck, I don't get the purpose thing. Okay, watch this. Then when we choose Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as forgiver, and we choose to walk his way and talk his way and live his way, then God says, hey, the purpose that I have you here is that you join me in my work of the redemptive plan of sinful and selfish men that they might be in right relationship with God and have heaven after they die on this earth and have peace while they're here. You say, well, that's all I got to do? Yeah. Well, Chuck, isn't there a list of rules? Nope. Well, don't, don't, don't I have to wear a certain way and sing a certain way? And don't I have to? Nope. I love this one, like promises like the providence of God. God was working out his plan in Paul's life, and he's working out the plan in yours. And if all you see is through humanity and your glasses and your lenses, you know what you're going to see? Heartache and storms. 
And when you let God change the filter, you're going to see equipping, preparing, love, grace, mercy, joy. But you pick. But you pick. What about promises? I love this. Like the promises of the performance of God. You know, we're a society big on performance. You know, if you do something good, you're really something. If you win, you're really something. But you know, the performance of God, you're never going to come close to. Because he did it for you. You, you, It's not going to happen. Listen to verses 42 and 44 in our text. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't tell them to carry so so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. And the others held on to planks and debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. But let me add parenthetically after that, but not without a challenge. You see, if you want if you want to get there with peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment, you're going to have to go through the challenge. And what Jesus is saying is, if you'll walk with me, if you'll live with me, what Paul's story is saying to me, if you'll trust me, if you'll abide in me, if you'll stop just thinking you can unload enough stuff off your life to keep forward, if you'll let me do this, you're not just going to survive, you're going to live, and the story's going to be unbelievable. And here we are at 2016, still talking about Paul Shipwreck. What would be said of your life 15 years from now? Well, I'll tell you, the guy went through a ton. Or, man, that guy, look what God did through the middle of all that. But you pick. You get to pick. Everyone made it safely to the shore. God is capable and able to work all those things out. But you choose. You come to a fork in the road, take it. You see, choose to accept the storm. If you're in the middle of a storm right now, my greatest encouragement to you is stick your chest out, put your chin in there and say, yeah, bring it. You got something else? Bring it. My God is able. Come on, big boy. Bring all you got. Because you know what? We're taking you down. And you know what? The Spirit of God is, trust me, you don't have to be proud about it. You just have to let me. You just got to let me. Go ahead. Choose the storm today. You see, there comes a time when what we have to do is we have to surrender and choose. God has, and God never will, lose one of his kids. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you suffer. He, he's going to let you learn through the suffering so that you can have joy in the morning, so that you can minister to people on his behalf and his redemptive plan for mankind. If your sea is rough today, cast an anchor or two or four. But let them all be hooked to the presence and the power and the purpose of God himself through a relationship in Jesus, his son, that you might have peace today and eternity forever. But it's your choice. Aren't you glad that he uses the storms to change your world for his good and yours? Let's pray. Lord God, you are more than good. You are a loving, gracious, heavenly Father. And Lord, while we recognize there are times that your spirit and your word has to correct and redirect us, we are so grateful because they're all birthed out of your love. God, I'm grateful there is not one thing we can do to make you love us more or less. 
but we can choose to walk through the storm victoriously because we're going to trust you, walk in step with you, abide in you, and know you're working all things out. God, for every person in this room that would say, Chuck, I don't have that kind of relationship with God. God, would you speak into their life the truth that they can have that by simply saying, God, forgive me of my sin and my selfishness. I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you, God, not for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for raising from the dead for me. Thank you for going to heaven to create a home for me. God calls us calls us to be people that are deeply in love with you, and it is reflected in our love for this world. God, pour your best on these folks today for the families that they represent, for the communities they live in, and may we be bound faithful to love. For we love you, and we're grateful for you. In the name of Jesus, our King, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.